Thank you, Bill, Ruth. This morning, if you'll open your Bible to the book of Colossians, Colossians chapter 4. Let me encourage you to find a Bible if you did not bring one. There should be one in the chairs in front of you or the pew in front of you. Let me encourage you to follow along and let the Lord speak to your heart. Today we'll be in Colossians chapter 4. We'll be looking at verses uh, 2 through 6. As you're turning there, I want to tell you a story. There was a football team who had never won a game. So one day before practice, the coach decided to have a talk with the team. He told them, boys, our offense is bad. Our defense is horrible. Our special teams are the worst I'd ever seen. So today we're going to go back to the basics. We're going to start over. The coach reached over and picked up a football and said, boys, this is a football. Before he could say anything else, one of the players spoke up and said, Coach, wait, wait, you're going too fast. <laughs> well, I've been sharing with you a series on things as Christians that we should know. Last week I preached to you about reading the Word of God. And today I would like to talk to you about prayer. The title of my message is, Learn How to Be Watchful in Prayer. The title today is Learn How to Be Watchful in Prayer. Now listen to the theme as I read it to you. It'll be on the screen. It's also in your bulletin. What would happen in your life if you really began to pray? If you became a disciplined prayer warrior? What would happen if, in your family if you began to pray for them more? What would happen here at your church if you prayed for God to move in our midst? What would happen in your heart if you prayed regularly that God would search you and know your heart and cleanse you from any sin which was keeping you from being more like Jesus? What's keeping you from prayer? And is it really worth it? As we continue this morning with our series in spiritual disciplines, we come to the topic of prayer. For most Christians, this is one of the most challenging areas of spiritual discipline. This morning, I want to share with you the following lessons. Now, look at your outline, point number one. Learn how to be steadfast in prayer. Look at it again. Learn how to be steadfast in prayer. You see, prayer does not come naturally. We have to learn how to be prayer warriors. We need to learn how to be a good spouse. We have to learn how to, to communicate with others. Now look with me in Colossians chapter 4, and let's look at verse 2. The Apostle Paul writes these words. He says, continue steadfast in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Now, in this short verse, we're just going to look at that first phrase for right now. He says, continue steadfastly in prayer. If you have your own Bible, you should highlight that. Don't do that in the church Bible. But in your own Bible, you should highlight that phrase. If we're going to be honest this morning, we'd have to admit that prayer is 
for the most part, an undisciplined area of our spiritual life. It's sporadic at best, erratic most of the time. In fact, for many of you, I would dare say that you only pray when you're in an emergency situation. Paul begins by saying, devote yourself to prayer. That's the way the New American Standard Bible translates it. The New King James translates it, continue it earnestly in prayer. The Living Bible, I mean, excuse me, the, the New American translation is what I read from you today. It says, continuing steadfastly in prayer. So here you have the three major translations of this verse. It means to persist. It means to be steadfast, to do it all the time. It carries with it the idea of dedication. Of the ten times it's used in the New Testament, four of them have to do with being devoted to prayer. It is a powerful command, and it is an imperative command. In other words, God is commanding us to do these things. Now, I gave you this verse, but don't turn there. 1 Thessalonians 5.17. Our teenagers, we try to get them to memorize Scripture, and they love this verse because it's so short. This is the verse that says, pray without ceasing. Amen? So I gave this to you because this week during your devotions, I want you to look at this simple little verse, but look at the verses that are around it. In 1 Thessalonians, he says, pray without ceasing. Persistence in prayer is not an option for the Christian. In fact, it is an order. This week in one of my devotions, I read about a little girl named Deborah. She sat down to eat dinner with her parents, and she reached for her fork, and her father said, please wait, honey, we have not said, said grace yet. The little girl was tired, she was hungry, and she said, Dad, why can't we just pray once a week? Well, her older brother, wiser and eager to set her straight, weighed in before her dad could answer. He said to her, you don't think we want to eat stale bread, do you? Now, that's a great way to look at it. You know, us as adults, we try to explain, hey, we thank the Lord at each meal. But this boy hit it right. Hey, you pray once a week, you're going to have stale bread the rest of the week. Amen? Two of the most instructive parables that Jesus ever told on prayer are Luke 11, which we read today in the very opening for our scripture, and Luke 18. Now turn with me to Luke 11. Hold your place here in Colossians. We're coming back. But turn with me to Luke 11. And let's look at verse 9 through 10. Jesus is speaking here on prayer. And Luke 11, 9 says, And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be open. Now I want you to notice that the verbs in these verses are present tense. They're active voice in the original language. In other words, they could be translated this way. Keep on asking. How about that? You know, 
when you were a child and you wanted something, you didn't just ask once, did you? No, you drove your parents insane until they gave it to you, amen? And your children do the same thing. And my grandchildren love to do that, all right? And so this is what it's saying. Keep on asking. Keep on seeking. Keep on knocking. Jesus does not want us to give up in prayer. Now turn with me to Luke 18. Luke 18. Luke 18 is the story of this unjust judge who doesn't care about people. Can you imagine a judge who doesn't care about people and he's supposed to be a judge? Sounds a lot like a lot of our judges we have today. And Jesus writes about this judge and the poor woman that goes to him. And look at 18, verse 1 through 2. And he told them a parable to effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. He said, in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. Now I want you to read this story, not while I'm preaching to you. But I want you to read it in your devotions this week. A widow comes. And she comes and she keeps coming and she keeps coming and she keeps coming. And he says, this woman's wearing me out. So I'm going to give her what, her what she wants. Not because it's right, but because she's bothering him. Beloved, many of y'all know that we hired a company called GoPro. We hired them to come and do work here in the church. And they took our money and they never came. Not once. Three years we waited for them. Never came, never showed up. Took them to court. Took them to court. And guess what? We won. All right? But let me tell you, after dealing with GoPro, I know what this verse is talking about. All right? This is Jesus is saying, he tell the story so you don't stop praying. Now, the second lesson I want you to learn, look at your outline at point number two. Point number two, learn how to be watchful in prayer. Learn how to be watchful in prayer. Now look with me back in Colossians chapter 4. Once again, we're still in verse 2, the very next phrase. He says, continue steadfastly in prayer. Notice what it says next, being watchful in it. Now you should highlight that. Because this is the next thing God wants us to do. When we pray, we need to be watching to see what God is going to do with our prayers. You just don't pray it and say, oh, well, now I've prayed it and I'm not going to pay any more attention to it. No, you need to be watching to see what he does. Be watchful in it. The second answer that we have here in verse 2 is this answer of being watchful. The word being watchful can mean keep alert in prayer. Pray with passion. Those are the two terms. Now, if you remember when Jesus would go to the garden, he would pray, and what would his disciples do? Sleep. They would sleep, and Jesus would all go, go wake them up. He said, can't you pray with me for just a little while? And then the second thing that we see Jesus doing in the garden, when he prayed, he prayed with passion. You remember at one time he prayed and it said that blood like sweat drops fell off of his forehead and face. You see, Jesus was watchful in prayer and he prayed with passion. Now turn with me to James chapter 5. 
Hold your place here in 2 Colossians because we're coming back. But look with me in James chapter 5. James is right behind the book of Hebrew. So if you turn towards the book of Revelation, usually you can find Hebrews because it's very large. And then James comes right after. Chapter 5, let's look at verse 16. It says, The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. Now, we know in the scripture that when it says man, it's referring to men, women, boys, and girls. And so you can read this, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous person accomplishes much. Now, that word effective and fervent are talking about what we're talking about. It's talking about being watchful and persistent. One of my favorite preachers is Charles Spurgeon. Charles Spurgeon reminds me a lot of myself. He was overweight. He had bad health. But he would preach, and he'd preach, and he'd get all worked up, and he'd pass out. Now, could you imagine? If I passed out, y'all would call 911 and run out of the building. He would pass out, and his elders and deacons would come and pick him up and take him off the stage, and the song leader would come out, and they'd just sing some more songs, and eventually he'd revive, and he'd come out, and he'd do it again until he fell out again. And, and people would come to see this. Maybe that's what I need to do, just fall out. But you know what? My deacons and elders would just leave me there. All right? Look at them. I'm looking at some of them. They couldn't pick me up anyhow. This is what Charles Spurgeon said, the great preacher of the Victorian era. He said, if the spirit of prayer is not with the people, the minister may preach like an angel but cannot expect success. There may be in that church wealth, talent, labor, and many outreach efforts, but the Lord is not there. Prayer is a sure evidence of the presence of God as the rising of the thermometer is evidence of an increase in temperature. If God is near a church, it must pray. If he's not, one of the obvious signs of his absence is lethargy in prayer. Isn't that amazing? Beloved, I need you to pray for FBCR. I need you to pray for First Baptist Rockville. We all have a part to play in the kingdom of God. And when you pray, you need to watch and you need to pray with passion and see what God does. Now, look at your outline. I want to share with you point number three. Point number three, learn how to be thankful in prayer. Point number three, learn how to be thankful in prayer. Now, look back with me in Colossians chapter 2. You see, in chapter, Colossians chapter 4, verse 2, we have three things that he teaches us about prayer. We've already looked at being steadfast. We looked at watchful. And then the last one, notice this, let's read it. Colossians 4, 2. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with, what's the last word, beloved? Thanksgiving. You should highlight that. You see, expressing gratitude demonstrates our relationship. It says we know that He is our Father and that we are His children. And as children, we know that He loves us and He has provided for us. And all of that comes out of love. 
Expressing gratitude as we pray accomplishes several things. When we pray, it should always express our understanding that every breath we take is in fact a gift from God. Now think about that. You don't sit there and think about taking a breath. You just do it automatically. God has given your body the ability to do that. And every breath you take is a gift from God. Failure to pray with gratitude, it demonstrates a sense of self-reliance and self-sufficiency that is insulting to God. This week in my devotions, I heard about a little four-year-old girl named Melinda. Her favorite story was the three little pigs. She would ask her mom and dad every night to read the three little pigs. They gladly obliged, but after several months, her father got a bright idea. He recorded the story on tape, and he told her to simply press play before jumping under the covers, but she resisted. And he kept saying, honey, all you have to do is hit the play, he told her, and you can still hear your favorite story, and it's our voices reading it. But she responded, yeah, but I can't sit in its lap. You hear that? You see, she understands. You see, this, this relationship, prayer is like sitting in the lap of, of our Savior. It's like we're sitting in his lap telling him what's on our heart. It's that relationship. It's expressing gratitude. It reminds us how truly helpless we are without God and how important it is to be close to him. Now notice on your outline point number four, the fourth thing I want to show you today. In Colossians we find there are three things that we should pray about. Now you can pray about more things, Paul's not telling you that these are the only things you can pray about, but he's giving us three things that as Christians we all should be praying about. We love to pray about ourselves, don't we? We love to pray about ourselves. We love to pray for those we love that are suffering. We like to do that. So here we have three things that the Apostle Paul says we should pray about. Now look with me in verse 3, Colossians 4, verse 3. He says, at the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison. Look at verse four, that I may make it clear, which is how I ought to speak and that I may make it clear, which is how I ought to speak. All right. So. In these verses, I want you to highlight these things. Go back in verse 3 and highlight this phrase, may open to us a door for the word. That's the first thing he wants us to pray, and I'm going to talk about that in a minute. Then he wants us to pray about this mystery of Christ, how we can, the third thing, make it clear. Now let's look at these things. The first thing we pray for is we pray for those that are on the front line. In verse 3, God has called all Christians to be directly responsible for gospel warfare. This is intercessory prayer. Notice what it says in verse 3. He says, at the same time, pray also for us. You pray for those that are sharing the gospel. 
You pray for missionaries, for pastors, for fellow Christians. You pray for those that are sharing the faith. Now hold your place here and turn with me to Luke chapter 22. Hold your place here and turn with me to Luke chapter 22. I want you to see what Jesus is doing here. Jesus is praying for those who are in the ministry. And I want you to look with me in verse 31. In verse 31, it says, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan, Satan, he desires to have you, that he might shift, sift you like wheat. But, look at here, verse 32, but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Now, I want you to see here in verse 32, he says, I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. You see, Jesus is interceding for us. We need to intercede for people who share the gospel. We had the opportunity today to show you a video, a thank you video. We uh, did these outreaches in December. We went to the women's shelter, the men's shelter. And you saw their response. They did that video thanking us for coming. You pray for those who go out. I shared with many of our senior citizens, physically not able to go out. I said, look, you can't go out, but you can pray for those who do. You can pray for those who share the gospel. Now, the second thing he tells us, we pray for those on the front line. The second thing is we pray for gospel opportunities. Go back to Colossians. And once again, let's look at verse 3. He says, at, that, at the same time, pray also for us, and that God may open to us a door for the Word. You see, this door is that open opportunity. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 2, and look at verse 12. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 2.12, When I came to Troas... To preach the gospel of Christ, a door was open for me in the Lord. A door was open. You see, God opens doors and people get saved. Beloved, let me tell you, we've been praying that there would be an open door in our country. Our nation needs to be saved. It used to be a Christian nation. It's no longer a Christian nation. All right? We're praying that God opens a door and men and women and boys and girls are convicted and put their faith in Jesus Christ. Now turn with me to Revelation chapter 3 and let's look at verse 8. In Revelation chapter 3 verse 8, John writes these beautiful words. He says, Behold, I have beset before you an open door which no one is able to shut. Beloved, let me, let me encourage you to pray that God would open a door here in Rockville, Montgomery County, that no one could shut and that people would come to be saved right here at First Baptist Rockville. I believe it can happen. This is what the scripture says. We should pray that this door opens. Now, the third thing in Colossians 
He tells us to pray for. He tells us to pray for the mystery to be made plain. Now look back with me in Colossians chapter 4. It says in verse 3, To declare the mystery of Christ, on count of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear, which is how I ought to speak. You see, this mystery, no one could understand it, that the Son of God would become man, that He would live a life of poverty and love, that He would die in the place of sinners and bear the curse of the law because He was sinless, that He would rise from the dead on the third day, that He reigns in heaven today, that the ungodly should be justified by faith, that Jew, Gentile, red, yellow, black, and white should all be reconciled to one body and that Christ would dwell in our hearts and seal us forever and ever. You see, this is the mystery. Who would have thought that God would do that for us? No one ever would ever dream these things. And so we need to pray that this mystery would become clear that people can say, God did this for me because he loved us that much. Paul concludes with the importance of wise conduct. Look with me in, in Colossians chapter 4 and verse 5. He says, walk in wisdom toward outsiders. He says, make the best use of the time. Look at verse 6. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer every person. So the last part of this text, he says, look, you need to conduct yourself wisely so that those that are lost will want to learn from you. Literally, it says, buy up the opportunity. Notice in verse 5, it says in the last part, making best use of the time. That phrase means buy up the opportunity. In other words, life is about opportunities where you can share Jesus Christ. The other day I was in the gun store. Can you imagine that? I was in the gun store and the owner's wife said to me, she was saying something and she said, God bless my soul. And I'm standing in the gun store. You know what I did? I looked at her and everybody sort of, you know, they're just doing their own thing. And I said, do you really want God to bless your soul? And you could hear a pin drop. She said, yes, I do. I said, have you ever accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior? She said, no, I don't know what you're talking about. And right there in the gun store, everybody's listening. Now picture this. I shared with her the gospel, and I told her. I said, Lene, you see, God loved us so much, he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross, to pay for our sins. And if we would simply believe in him, John 3, 16, since it says, if you believe in him, you should not perish but you have everlasting life. She smiled like a little girl. She said, I'm going to heaven. I said, you believe in Jesus? She said, yes, I do. She said, you're, I said, you're going to heaven. All right? This is what it's talking about. You know, I just happened to be standing there, and she said, God bless my soul. And you know what? An opportunity to talk to this woman about her eternal destiny. All right? Let me tell you, it buy up the opportunity. Don't let it pass. Many of us think, well, I don't know what to say. Just say what the Lord puts on your heart. 
All you have to do is plant the seed. You might be the one that shares the gospel with them. This is a thrilling way to look at life. This week as I was studying, I came across a book called Touching, Touching Innocent and Remarkable Answers to Prayer by S.B. Shaw. He was a pastor. He wrote this book in 1893. Great year. Some of y'all may have been born that year, all right? 1893, Incidents and Remarkable Answers to Prayer by S.B. Shaw. This is a story that he wrote in 1893. Imagine that, all right? He says, many years ago, James Rogers of the Alabama Conference of the Methodist Church told the story about Annie Clayton of California. And as a child, she and her sister, Vanny, took a long walk one Saturday morning to collect some scraps of wood to fuel their house and heat the, the, the home. As they were returning, Vanny collapsed from lingering effects of cholera and was unable to proceed. Annie, who was only five years old, was helpless, and they sat beside the road not knowing what to do. Finally, Vanny, the older sister, said, You know, Annie, Mother told us that we, if we ever got into trouble... We should pray, and God would help us. Now you help me get down on my knees and hold me up, and we will pray. And so there on the sidewalk in their little town in California, the two sisters prayed earnestly for someone to come along and help them. And then they resumed sitting on the curb waiting to see how God would answer their prayer. Did somebody preach about that this morning? Being watchful in prayer? Did somebody preach about that? All right. Far down the street, they spotted a man who walked out of a factory. And he looked curiously up the street one way and then down the other. And the girls thought, perhaps he was the one that God was going to send. But the man went back into the factory. Presently, he came out again. He looked up the street one way. He looked up the street the other way. He re-entered the factory. And then the man walked out of the factory a third time, wearing his hat. And he began walking towards them. And approaching the children, the man said in broken German, Oh children, what is the matter? And when they explained the situation to him, the German hoisted Vanny up in his arms and carried her all the way home. Once the girls were safely delivered, the gentleman told this story. He said... He was the proprietor of an ink factory, and he had been working hard on the payroll checks for his men. Suddenly, as he was poring over his books, his eyes had clouded up and his vision had blurred. He had a plain impression that someone on the street wanted to see him. Seeing no one, he returned to his desk and he tried to work. The darkness in his vision was even worse. And the impression was even greater. So he walked outside again, puzzled. And then he returned to his work again. But his fingers would not grasp the pen. He found himself unable to write a word. Moreover, the impression on his mind was urgent. So he fetched his hat. He walked up the street in bewilderment until he saw the girls who had prayed earnestly for someone to help them. Beloved, let me tell you, our God answers prayers. The problem is, 
we don't watch. We don't look. We don't see. If God would answer the prayers of these beautiful children, He will answer your prayer. And He'll answer the prayers of this church. You need to be praying. And you need to be watching to see what He'll do. Let's pray. Dear Father, I thank you for the opportunity to preach to your people today. What a joy it is to open the Word of God. Lord, I pray if there's someone here today that has never accepted Christ as their Savior, maybe they're here today searching. Friend, if you're here and you know that if you died today, you would not go to heaven, let me just talk to you for a moment. The Bible makes it very clear that we're all sinners, every one of us. It's not that one is better than the other. In Romans chapter 3, verse 23, the scripture says, We've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That means we miss the mark, every one of us. But friend, that's not the end of the story. You see, God loved us so much that he was willing to pay for that sin. He sent his son Jesus. Jesus would die on the cross. When Jesus was here, a man by the, Nicodemus, by, the, by the name of Nicodemus came to see him in John 3. Nicodemus wanted to know how to be in the kingdom of God. He wanted to know how to be born again. And Jesus said to him in John 3, 16, he said to him, Nicodemus, whoever believes in me should not perish, but have everlasting life. Friend, if you're here today and God is calling you, speaking to you about becoming a child of God, you need to respond. Right now, in the silence of your own mind, why don't you pray a little prayer like this to him? Just simply say, God, I, I feel you moving in my heart today. And I want to confess my sin to you in the best I know how. I want to accept Jesus Christ as my Savior. And then say something like this. Just say, God, please make me your child. Friend, if you pray a prayer like that, the Bible says immediately you'll be saved. Your name will be written in the book of life. The Holy Spirit will come inside of you to teach you how to live. You, your, uh, God will begin to build a place for you in heaven. And then when you die, you'll spend eternity with him. In John chapter 14, Jesus tells us, he tells his disciples, I'm going to prepare a place for you that where I am there, you may be also. Friend, would you make that decision today? Christian, let me talk to you for a moment. As you saw in the passage of Scripture today, we are supposed to be continually, steadfastly, and thankfully in prayer. Are you fulfilling those commands? Are you praying for those who are in the gospel ministry? Are you praying for a door to be opened? Are you praying that the world will understand the mystery of the gospel? You see, this is the responsibility of every Christian. Lord, I pray that you'll hear the prayers of your people today. I pray for those who make commitments to be better prayer warriors, to practice their prayer, so it will be pleasing to you. Lord, hear the prayers of your people today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.